Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we have Chad Schilling from Akaska, South Dakota, from Oahe Wings and Walleyes. We've had Chad on before. Chad is one of my all-time favorites. I just love this guy's energy and passion behind fishing and everything that he does. And, you know, just for that, he's just so much fun to talk to. And, you know, this conversation, we're talking Lake Oahe walleyes. More specifically, we really lean into the post-spawn bite, uh, which is a broad statement. And recently catching up with Chad for this conversation, just a lot of fun to just talk about it, get Chad's expertise and his experience, even even like going back historically and just the things that he's learned about what it takes to be successful this time of year, regardless of the conditions. But a couple of the key takeaways in this for me uh, you know, many people probably have other great takeaways in this, but for me, you know, talking about, you know, the versatility of your presentations and why that's important and the whole conversation around spots versus areas, because reservoir fishing, especially if, if you're not necessarily from a reservoir, you don't fish a Western reservoir every day, but it's a destination for you, which it absolutely should be. Lake Oahe's full of big fish and offers amazing fishing opportunities. So, you know, traveling there is absolutely should be on your list of things to do. But in doing that, conversations like this, I just think are so important because, you know, just depicting and, and creating a, a, a proper expectation of what, what you may or may not run into, what you may or may not find, and just helping you be more prepared. That being said, Chad Schilling, we're talking Lake Oahe, early summer, post-spawn, walleyes. Let's get to it. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by Northeast South Dakota's Glacial Lakes region. Head to sdglacialakes.com for all kinds of information on the fishing opportunities in that area. Link is in the description of this podcast. Let's get into the interview. How was your fall? How was your winter? Get us up to speed a little bit on uh, how things are going for you this spring. You know, it's, uh, we've, he's kind of made a weird transition the last couple of years. We, uh, we kind of lost our, our big numbers of fish. I mean, people come to Oahe to catch, you know, 150, 200 fish a day. And that's uh, kind of what people came to expect. Well, then all of a sudden, my whole life, I grew up here saying, you know, don't come here to catch a trophy. I can give you places you can go catch a trophy. Green Bay, you know, there's everybody knows all the options there. And, and now I tell them you won't catch one as big as you do on Oahe. I mean, it's just, um, and what's crazy, our clientele adjusted to it way better than I expected. I, uh, we went from catching 50 to 100 fish a day on the normal days to catching 20 to 30 maybe, but most days putting a trophy in the boat. I mean, so it uh, that whole part of it has been, you know, a little scary on my end because I always kind of thought I had meat hunters, and I've realized I have a lot better sportsmen than I thought. I have I have people who are here to enjoy the day, and, and they realize catching 100 fish, you don't take a picture of 100 of them when you catch a quality-sized fish everybody you show that when you get home so it's um i it's actually been a, a blessing it's been cool to see that my people don't come just to fill their freezers i always uh i think everybody assumes that and uh, you know you've been doing it for years so you kind of fall into that pattern but i'm happy to say that we can go out and catch a few fish in a day and everybody's just as giddy and happy and sharing stories at the dinner table at night so it's uh it's been it's been a shockingly really good couple of years. Do you feel like Oahe gets kind of cyclic? I mean, you, you've been around long enough now that um, 
you know, the way things are now? Have you ever seen it like this before? Or like, it, you know, is there sort of those ebbs and flows o- over time? What, what's been kind of your reflection assessment on that? You know, absolutely. It's gone through flows and like you said, ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys. I've never seen these, this peak on the big fish. I mean, I don't know. Well, no one has. I mean, that's why we're, I expect the state record. I mean, coming in the next couple of years, I, um, it could happen any day still, you know, if you get a postponed female, but we're, we're probably past that window right now, but it, uh, it's there, you know, that fish is out there and it's, there's lots of them where it used to be. That would have been a, you know, a strike of lightning to catch a, a fish of that quality. Now, teeners i mean they catch teeners regularly this winter i've seen quite a few um and that's way different than what we've ever seen in my lifetime being on this water uh i mean a 10 pound walleye used to be the fish everybody talked about now if you don't have two of them you don't win a tournament so yeah isn't that crazy that's a what you just said right there is so it's so true and it's so crazy and in, in, in the the tournament strategy on uh you know the catch and keep um type of tournaments like the nwt you know there's guys that are strategizing winning the tournament with with two fish a day that's all you expect to win it with i mean um i had a great i had a great tournament season last year um i used to feel like i could win or be in the top two in every tournament and i never counted on catching a good one ever i mean i counted on my 19 three quarter inches to be perfect and fat and I'd catch 150 walleyes, and I'd only keep the ones I had guts to know I was going to catch them, so I would release until I got the right ones. Now you don't even expect to get your limit on most days. I mean, it's um, it's 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 a different. It's it's amazing to go fish for them big fish. I would love to see a little bit, you know, more of a happy medium. Obviously, everybody would like to see more. Um, more eater sized fish too, but it'll come back. It always does. Uh, we've got a couple, we got a coalition going down here, um, for the restoration of walleyes in Lake Hawaii. And we're working with the game and fish. It's, uh, working hard to get some attention towards it and get, get some more fish put in the system. And it's not that the system is shot, but we don't want to let it get any worse, you know, because one thing about these old fish, they do go away and, uh, we really need some recruitment for them. And that's, that's part of the restoration's whole plan is to, try to get that done so it's going to be uh it's going to be a fun future i mean we i I like to say we went through the tough times and we've been catching the biggest fish of our lives so hard to whine about that so you know it's uh like i always say it's great to be where we're at generally speaking um you know to start this off we should just sort of lay down some groundwork and talk about sort of like that that spawn run because I want to talk to you about some technical information. I really want to talk to you about grinding and and finding and catching fish on Oahe here. But, um, you know, let's talk about sort of in your area, you know, where you fish, sort of just how that, how the spring goes for you and just how you typically see things and and sort of predict things to go to get us kind of, you know, through the spawn to that post-spawn because that's where I I really want to just sort of, I really just want to dig into some of that, um, you know, that post-spawn stuff, uh, you know. But like I said, let's lay down the groundwork here. G- give me sort of the whole, like, spring, uh, the spring deal where you're at. Well, you know, in your normal fashion, you called me on at the right time and the right, the, the conversation I can have. I'm not that bright a guy. I know I know a few things. One of them is pretty good at fishing. I'm not the best, but I, 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 I tend to bend and do things to get it where it works for me and if we would have been having this conversation last year i would have been so far off 
because last year was a year where you had zero runoff. I mean, zero, nobody had runoff. We had our, actually our creeks and everything that flowed into Oahe. We never had, a, I, I don't think at ever one point last winter, did we have enough snow or any moisture that we had any spring runoff. And I, we've, as far as I can remember, and I, one thing I do have is a pretty good memory. I don't remember a situation where we had no flow, no fish pushed up the creeks or the, or the, you know, the rivers and like the Morrow river, grand river, stuff like that. They, right. they stayed out on the main body where there was a little current and they did their spawning um, routine out there and it made it one of the tougher springs. And then that coupled with the ugliest spring I can remember with huge winds and everything. It was just last spring was tough on a, on a system where springtime is, I mean, I, I look forward to two times a year. I, I can't wait for the ice to go off and go out and pitch some jigs. And then we move into the August things that we've talked about and everybody's doing with the jigging wrapping, but right. going back to the spring, here we have another normal spring. Even we, of course, mother nature, she throws you a curveball. One goes one way as hard as it can. And one goes the other. I mean, we have had more flow coming out of the river systems. Everything's been, you know, since mid May or mid April, just big warm ups and lots of flow. So that's setting it up more like what we're used to, you know, that, uh, here's what happens though. You get like last year, we never had dirty water. Not one time. Now we're dealing with dirty water from all the runoff. Um, so you just gotta, you, that's what I do first. I, I watch water temperature a little bit. I watch clarity a lot. Um, we drive back into them rivers. Most of the springtime fishing, I mean, 90% of it is in the river systems. Uh, Cheyenne river on Hawaii up in our area. It's Cheyenne river, Moore river, grand river. That, is your probably 70% of your fishing. And then you use the creeks and the side, um, you know, waters to do the other 30%. But it, uh, we, them fish migrate in there last year. They didn't know flow this year. Lots of flow. They're all back in there. You know, they, I would, I, I ain't going to say the percentages cause I'm not that guy who knows the exact percentages, but in my estimation, I would say 90% of them go when there is flow and they push back into them rivers to do their spawn. Um, I've always thought Oahe and South Dakota, Oahe, I've always wondered why they didn't, you know, protect them during the spawn. Well, in 35 years of guiding on this system, I can tell you why, because I can't catch them and I don't see anyone else catch them when they spawn here. It's, uh, I'm glad you didn't call me to tell me how to, how do you catch them females while they're spawning? Oh yeah. Man, I, I've been trying and I still have never figured it out. We don't have to protect them here because you can't snag them and you're not going to, you know, you're not right. going to go out and it's just, I don't know. I've never seen a walleye harder to catch, but immediately after, um, the males will bite a little bit through the spawn and we can catch them little males and that works out. But immediately after when everything takes off, that's the whole key. I look where the water was pushing. And I mean, it's not like I have to look, everybody knows where the water came in. It came in the rivers and we focus all of our energy there. That's where we're at now. Um, we're running up the river systems. We go until you hit water where you can't see your prop. I, we do it like the old school Lake Erie where you drive and you look at your skag and you look at your prop um, and you just see how the water clarity is. And that's what I go by. Um, I spend half my time on a pontoon and half my time on a Lund boat. And I, I lean over and I look. It isn't a science. People are always like, oh, you know what you're looking for. No, if I can see it, a little bit of it. So I got a foot of clarity, a foot and a half, you know, it's easier than measuring or doing any of that or reaching for a jig. It's just the way I do it fast. Um, 
I start with that. I look, oh, water's probably clear enough. I go to where I don't think it is, and then I work my way back out. It's always muddier way back in, you know, and as you come out, it gets cleaner as it mixes in with the bigger water. And uh, I do that first, and then I pay attention to where the wind's been blowing for the last couple days. I like to where it's been blowing into. Um, like last spring, it blew 50 mile an hour one direction, then 50 mile an hour the other direction. Oh, yeah. This year's better, so you can... Uh, you go by that a little bit. And I mean, it's, it's not a hard system. And I start driving. And as we grew up, it was always, you got to fish this point and this point. And I mean, I had a rock or I had a, a lay down that I knew about, you know, or something along them measures. Nowadays it's side scan. And, uh, you know, with all the forward facing sonar and everything, this is one time a year where I believe the side scan is, quite a bit superior to the forward facing just because it's faster you know you just drive shorelines and people say how did you pick that spot well once you master side scan in the springtime especially i mean it's good all year but in the springtime it's invaluable i mean (laughs) if you don't turn it on the rest of the year turn it on in the spring and i drive shorelines and i very rarely go over 12 feet of water 12 to 16 feet is where i stay pretty much and i'm looking in there all the time and uh them fish aren't hard to see i mean they just that thing picks them out and you'll have areas where sometimes you're looking at rock you know just rock you didn't know about and people that are new to it that's what you want to cast at anyway it just on oahe as a whole it's not easy to know where all that rock is and there's rock veins and it's it'll be on the middle of a bank somewhere there'll be where there's been there's a vein of rocks is what i call it just like a just a big line of rock that comes out into the water. Um, if that's what you're seeing, you're probably going to catch a fish or two on there anyway. So we anchor up, you know, spot lock nowadays. You don't have to throw an anchor. It's great. Um, and we fish slow. I mean, it's, uh, I throw big bite baits. That's all I ever throw. I mean, that's all I have in the boat. So it makes it easy to pick. And I, uh, I'll start with the biggest one in my box. I'll throw a big six inch white plastic. Um, they actually made one for me this year called the Shills Chill, and uh, it's going to be phenomenal. It, I, uh, I'll, I'll go right to that. It's a five inch or four inch, um, and just uh, pepper the area. It's, I don't know, fan casting. Guys got technical terms, but I just cast where I seen that structure and them fish. And trust me, they don't lie to you. <laughs> if they're there, they bite, and if they're not, you take off driving again. I mean, I can fish guiding with people who don't fish much. I can fish 60, 70 spots a day. And I mean, once we catch them original fish off there, you know, catch two or three, four off a spot. If it slows down, I start driving again. And it's, it's not like midsummer where you got to go travel five miles to find a spot where there's fish. You know, you don't have to look, you drive them shorelines Them rivers aren't that big. The fish are condensed down and it just, it, like I say, it used to be where we had the spot you had to cast and you had to know, well, side scan's been out a long time and we've been using it ever since it's been out. And that's the whole, I mean, there's not a secret. That's what it is. That's what you do. If you don't, if you don't know how to drive and look with that, you are, you're, you're behind the eight ball. You're, 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 you're behind the guys that are using it. You know, you, you talk about sort of that evolution through the spring and just the bite. I, I laugh because you know, before I moved out to North Dakota, before I had, you know, caught any of these reservoir walleyes or fished the Missouri River or any of that, like, 
you know, I grew up in Minnesota where we didn't, we're, you know, we're not able to fish the spawn. You know, we can't target walleyes, you know, at that time, uh, you know, assuming that the spawn kind of happens. Anyways, you know, the season opens up <laughs> yeah. in May. And, uh, uh, and so, you know, I had never, honestly, I was like a, I was a grown adult. It was probably 10 years ago. I'd never really had a conversation about fish and walleyes that had anything to do with the spawn. And so a lot of this information was like really like kind of blew my mind. And I was actually on this podcast, like one of the first, you know, like 15 or 20 podcasts I did one with Tommy Chemo. So we were talking about naturally jigging on a river, right? What else you talk to Tommy yeah. Chemos about? <laughs> well, and, yeah, uh, that's, that's the best. And, and he, uh, he said something and it, he said it so like casual and off the cuff. And I just remember thinking it was like, it was such a mind blowing piece of information was like, you know, the best time of year to catch a big walleye or, 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 you know, to, to catch a walleye that like your biggest walleye ever would probably be in the spring pre-spawn somewhere. But that's also the hardest time of year to catch her. Oh, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know anything about that. I think that, you know, it's a, it's an interesting piece of information because, you know, so many people nowadays, you know, they're listening to this. They probably will come out to Hawaii to catch a big walleye if they're from, you know, Minnesota or Iowa, you know, somewhere where there is a closed season in the spring. It's such an awesome time of year and an opportunity to come to the Dakotas. They don't, we don't close the seasons out here, but that's a totally new, it's almost like a foreign bite because you well, never fish I'll tell you how new it time. is. So I, I mean, I grew up on Oahe, but we never traveled, you know, to do a lot of fishing. Then I started to, I did the tours. I traveled the FLW, PWT, NWT. We did them all. And I realized there are places where you catch fish in the spring. And I was like, it's always got a pretty good flow. Well, then the PWT sent me to, you know, Northern Oahe up there to Bismarck. And if I did travel, I never stayed on my own body of water. I wanted to go see something new. Well, there you go. Oahe it's such a great place. I mean, cause you have that. I mean, seriously, our bite, there is nothing tougher. We have a window where them fish are moving up. They're not spawning yet. And you get, I mean, a week would be exaggerating. It's a couple days. It's not something I could ever tell my customers or, or recommend someone, Hey, go try to catch this bite with your vacation time. But then you have the Northern reaches of Hawaii up there where, you know, I ran into Jason and everybody for the first times. Um, it's just like a whole nother world, but it's, you know, it's the river system up there. And then you can go up and it's a longer window. You catch them while they're spawning. Last year I was in the big muddy tournament up there and we caught walleyes the day before the tournament that weighed 12 pounds. And the day of the tournament, everything spawned and they're dumping eggs while we're trying to catch them. And they weighed, you know, nine, 10 pounds. And it's just like, oh my gosh. So these will eat here, but back where our, we don't have a, you know, a heavy current flow, man, I'm telling you, I've sat and looked at them and hung the jig on their face and they won't touch nothing, you know? So yeah. it's, uh, it's just so cool how within an hour of each other, you're fishing just like you've traveled to a whole nother world. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the reasons I love where I live. I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing to get to do everything. And, you know, I, I, I touched on the way we focus on them here and we'll try not to get too far off on a tangent because I tend to do well, that. That's but, okay. Um, so there's guys, I mean, I'm a jig fisherman. Like I told you, I grab that, them big bite baits and I love to pitch jigs. Am I the best every day? No, there's guys who, I can't even pick on them because they'll whoop my butt some days. There's the old bottom bouncer and, uh, you know, and 
bottom bouncers dominate about three fourths of our fishing community around here. And for good reason, <laughs> they yeah. catch a lot of fish. Um, what I love about this time of year, you know, the, the spawn, the post spawn is you can catch them that way too. Um, the whole secret to that is you drive, you find them just like what we said, but I mean, you have to crawl over them fish. And, uh, what those guys tend to do is use a fairly long leader. I mean, not you're from Minnesota, so that's a whole other topic of conversation, but yeah, we're, we're yeah, talking yeah. a six footer, you know, a five or six footer. They keep everything lighter. Um, they smaller hooks than we use the rest of the year. And those guys literally have to be, I always tell all my customers who I know won't put a jig on their rod, 0.8. If you see 0.8, you're going too fast. <clears throat> you know, and you just kind of creep around them areas. I personally don't think it's as effective, but that's because that's what I want to believe. I want to be casting a jig and, and you know, moping a jig on them walleyes as much as I can. And uh, them guys absolutely want to do the opposite. They want to see a bottom bouncer hanging in the rod holder and bend over. And is it a system that you can say either one's better than the other? It's day-to-day. It really is. There's days my dad, he's a guy that'll jig only when he has to. And, uh, most of the time you don't, he'll catch him with his bouncers. So, I mean, it's not, if you're, if you're only a bottom bouncer fisherman and you want to try Oahe, it works. I mean, it, it really does. You can do that too. Um, it's the same principle. You drive till you see them, you use your side scan and, and I, I hate saying that to people because they come in and they're like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't, I can't look at that thing. You do. You're looking at the same thing. The rest of us are. You just got to believe, <laughs> you know, you, yeah, you yeah, got yeah, to trust it. You got to trust what you think you've seen. You fish it. It's not that you waste a whole day. It ain't like you drove eight miles and drilled ice auger deep holes and you don't want to move again. It's something you believe what you see, you fish them quick and then you move on. Um, I mean, that's the nice thing about being a simple guy like me. I can talk myself into anything. So I say they're fish. I believe they're fish and I fish hard, you know, for them. And 10, 15 minutes into it, oh, maybe they weren't, maybe they moved. We're on the move again. We're, we're cruising down the shoreline looking. And um, my son, he started doing quite a bit of fishing the last couple of years here. He's 16 and he uh, he's one of the best I've seen at it. He absolutely doesn't believe it. He will not put a line in the water. And he's got a little bit of preconceived, you know, ideas of where he thinks they should be. But he don't care. He drives until he sees what he wants to see. He spot locks and his big, I mean, favorite thing to do is give the customers a two jigs a piece because you can here. And they just put them right above the bottom, you know, six, eight inches and put them in the rod holder. They fish it like a bottom bouncer. They let oh, that yeah. minnow sit there and fight that lead head while he's casting a plastic. And uh, that, I mean, it is a great thing to have people who fish a couple different ways, especially in the spring. Um, probably one of my other tricks that I've learned the hard way by getting my butt kicked fishing with different guys in my boat um, line choice that time of year. I don't switch line after, you know, middle of June later on here, I'm going to switch to big, heavy braided lines. And I don't look back the rest of the year, you know, all the way through in the ice fishing or the fall jig bite, I'll switch back to some monos and stuff, but don't be afraid to have two or three different rods set up. Um, and I, we, I think you and I have touched on that jigging, before but when we're this time of year when we're uh it'll go to where i I always say you can tell which line you want to use by the bite and if this time of year you anchor on them fish you pitch up pitch up there and you go to pick it up and it's heavy 
or how we say it just you know it just they just mope they just grab i don't know i didn't mope but they just latch on they don't pop it that model is gonna outfish braided line i mean all day long every day um all of a sudden you're pitching out there and it's a thwack <laughs> i mean it's a thump guess what grab your power your heavy lines grab your braided lines and, and beat them up i i mean it's but there are and it'll go back it's not like oh i caught them on braided lines i can take all this mono crap out of my boat nope i mean that's uh that's a subtle little trick that i learned the hard way because i was when i was in my late 20s i started fishing with one of my best friends now and he always had two rods one with this old mono crap on there and, I, and then he had his braided line and i'm like what are you doing why would you do that and there'd be days he'd be up on me seven eight fish to one i'd be like well what the heck you know it's got to be the way he's working the jig well i can't explain why but it's the fall is my guess um like i said i've never been a scientific guy i just go by what i learn you know when it happens and uh, to this day i'll have if i got five customers in the boat i'll have five mono rods and five braided rods set up for them each day and uh it's it blows my mind that it makes a difference but boy does it make a difference so that's another thing that if you're doing the jigging now if you're bottom bouncing obviously that doesn't matter but if you're doing the jigging keep it in mind and don't be afraid to switch when you need to The fishing opportunities in Northeast South Dakota's Glacial Lakes region are phenomenal. You've heard us talk about it on the JMO podcast before. It's a multi-species destination. We're not just talking walleyes or perch in the wintertime. This is, uh, there's phenomenal pan fishing. There's uh, fantastic bass fishing. There's muskies and big northern pike. Everything's there with hundreds of lakes and a bunch of communities that offer all kinds of fun events and lodging. For information on this area and the fishing opportunities here, head to sdglacialakes.com. You'll see the link is in the description of this podcast. On there, you're going to find all the resources that you need to research. Or if you feel like you're already familiar with the fishing opportunities there and you already plan your annual trip, if you're not checking out this website and the information on it, then you're leaving some on the table. Head to sdglacialakes.com. You're going to find the lodging opportunities. You're going to see maps of the area. You click on the fishing tab. It's going to showcase some of the great fishing opportunities in that area. From there, you can look up the local guide services or the bait shops. That's where you're going to find the real-time fishing reports that you need when you're looking ahead and planning on one of these trips. So, again, if you want to plan your next fishing adventure, consider Northeast South Dakota's Glacial Lakes region. Head to sdglacialakes.com for all that great information. The link is in the description to this podcast. If you have any fishing memory that you would like to commemorate or have questions about commemorating a fishing memory with a replica made of any fish that has ever graced your net, get in touch with Rizavi Fish Replicas owned and operated by Jamie Rizavi over in uh, New Rockford, North Dakota at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can find them online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com. Or find them on Facebook at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can see the pictures here at the JMO headquarters in Devil's Lake. We have some phenomenal replicas made by Jamie and his crew hanging on our walls, which we absolutely love. They look just like the fish that were reeled in that day. And every chance we get to go in and admire them and tell those stories and share those stories with each other, we absolutely do. Again, if you have any questions about getting a fish replica made to commemorate any great trophy memory you have of fishing, Get in touch with Jamie Rizvi at Rizvi Fish Replicas. You won't be disappointed. 
You can't just assume that what worked yesterday is exactly what's going to work today. That's a, been a big thing for me too. I have, I, I can say this once I realized, you know, the, the sensitivities and casting distance of like, you know, a, a, a no stretch line, you know, or the, these, uh, these braided lines, like I've been so, I don't know, like that's just where my confidence has been, but I've bought a lot of mono lately. I've bought a lot of mono in the last two to three years. And, um, I'm really enjoying kind of figuring out when that's right too, because it's, 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 it's pretty, uh, yeah, it's pretty eye-opening. It's when phenomenal, it and I, I wish I had the science for you. I really do. I wish I could say, this is why that works. <laughs> I'm not that bright. I mean, I, mean, I just, I guess I, I don't care why it works. I'm, I'm a guy who you don't have to draw it out exactly why that works, but I'll tell you what, without it, you will take some whippings some days, and it's, uh, it's hard to swallow when a guy is casting half as far as you. It sounds like it's coming off an old Zebco, <laughs> yeah. and they're catching the crap out of them, you know? So it's, um, I guess and that's one thing whenever I do these podcasts, I always, I'm a little embarrassed because I'm not the most technical guy. I'm not the guy that wows you with, holy cow, I can't believe he figured that out. I've never tried to be that way. I've never, um, I try to, like I, I always say, keep it simple, stupid, because that's the way I understand it. And uh, it's certain things, but I love talking to you because a couple of the shows we've done, I get phone calls. They're like, God, why haven't I thought of what you were saying? I say it just just like a carpenter who does the right thing when he's building a building, he does it every day. So he takes it for granted. And I, I, I tell the, the common man stuff. I, I mean, I'm not going to explain nothing to no scientific fisherman that's going to wow him. I'm sure. But there's certain things that, that I do that makes my day better. And I'm happy to pass them on to whoever's willing to accept some of it. So, yeah, but you, you, here's the thing. Here's, here's what I take away from you, Chad. It's like your instincts are like on another level. You know, you you might not know, you know, like you said, some scientific numbers, but your instincts and your feel of like, you know, like, you know, some guys can talk about spring and they can tell you every day what the water temperature should be. And when they see that, you know, with, a, you know, all where, you know, how long the day is and where, you know, all this crazy stuff, they can tell you where the fish are. And that's great because some people think that way. But for the guys that are out there that are just, you know, we don't need to know the details. We just need to get it done. Like yep. you, like you're just like on another level. You like you feeling that pattern, you know, where it's like, you know, I don't know exactly what day of the year it's going to be where these fish are going to start biting plastics, uh, you know, but like you feel it because you're out there every day and you can just, yeah, you and know. you've done it enough, you know, I'll tell you what though. And that's the beauty of fishing. I mean, what you're saying should blow my head up. You want to be humbled? You go fish. <laughs> fish will always humble you. So don't uh, like you like we've said to each other. Don't think you've got the the magic grail because they will whoop your butt tomorrow. Yeah. And that's what's beautiful about fishing. That's oh, why yeah. nobody wins them all. Especially you know in the I mean? spring, that's- like especially in the spring, <laughs> the conditions you can have. But here's one thing. Here's a little nugget. Maybe this will be a good talker. Maybe it won't be. Um, but there's one thing that I, I I think it's interesting when I think back on all my conversations, guys that. You know, the conversation around, um, you know, uh, search baits versus, say, a presentation that's a reaction. You know, you're looking for reaction bites. When you're choosing a big bait, is it a reactionary strike deal or is it a search deal? Or is it okay, both? Okay, so, I'll, you know what? It's it's a little bit of both. That big bait, I, I just feel it, you know, it's, it's visual. They can see it so much farther. 
Um, if they're active, they're going to come get that. Um, our fish aren't scared. Well, I mean, our fish eat lake herring. So a six inch baits still a baby, you know what I mean? So they, uh, I've, I catch 12 inch, 14 inch walleyes on six inch baits. They're used to trying to eat that. So I use it as both. I like the, I like how visual it is. Um, I, on any of the Missouri river, I live with that great that big bite bait. It's a six inch white. I mean, I would like to say it was a secret, but I, everyone has seen me. One thing about that bait, you don't hide it. When you pull it on a point, you're <laughs> yeah. whipping that around. You can see it like you're throwing a balloon out there. But um, So I use that first and foremost. Now, does it work every day? We've pretty much covered that. Nothing works every day. But it works more than not for me when I'm, when I'm pulling in and I'm hitting them fish quick. Um, as soon as, so I would, I guess, yes, that's my search. That's, I feel, I, instead of a search bait, I kind of do it as a feeler bait. I, I kind of feel what mood they're in, you know, and even when they're sluggish, they'll still hit that thing. A lot of times if I'm missing fish or if I'm uh, not getting bit at all, my next thing is to go to a shorter one, you know, a four inch or a three inch or whatever. I'll drop down my size. Um, <laughs> I'm a bullheaded guy. I very rarely switch color. Um, that's what I like about that chill chill. We it kind of got my three favorite colors in it. It's got a chartreuse tail, an orange throat, and a black dot on the side. Other than that, it's a big white bait, you know. So it kind of it gives me my if they're looking for just a little something to show up in the dingy water or something, I kind of feel like that bait will do it for me. I'll grab that if I really believe I'm looking at a bunch of fish that are being sluggish, then I'll go to a minnow. Um, and I mean, it's not like you got to dig rods out or do any, I mean, it's all sitting right there for you. It's a matter of sliding uh, um, a plastic off and, and putting a minnow on there and throwing it up there and then slowing everything way down and try to get them to, to eat it. Um, on jig size, that, that, that is something I, I feel like maybe there I'm a little more technical than, and I, but I will start with a three sixteenths or a quarter, you know, that's what I'll throw first. Um, and it's all by feel it's, if there's a little bit of wind, I will go maybe a touch heavier. I don't like going heavy. I'm never, never a guy who throws a great big jig in the spring. I always favor towards going smaller, but that being said, you have to be able to feel, you know, you have to be able to feel that tick or that, that butt bait get mushy was the word I was looking for earlier. If that bait gets a little mushy, you got to people are always like, how did you know it was there? And I always say, yeah, you got to believe, you know, you felt something, you got to stick it, and try it. So um, I always say, I don't talk technical. That's probably the most technical thing I'll do is switching jigs up a little bit in the spring. Um, I will go as light as a 16th. If it's dead calm, everything's perfect. That big six inch bait, you throw that up there and it's falling so slow in front of any kind of active fish. They will smash that thing on the, on the drop almost every time on the first cast. Um, how many times do we get that in South Dakota? Well, you know, very rare. You get to go out and throw a big bait with mono and a really light jig. So the first thing I go off is how my feel is like, I want to feel that jig, you know, make connection with the bottom. And it doesn't always have to be feel. It can be watching it fall and watching it settle onto the bottom, but you got to know when that all happens. Yeah. And, uh, that's, I mean, that's, probably the biggest thing when you're casting a jig out here i will and you'll know i mean and unfortunately you'll know and it'll be right and you'll catch a couple fish and then being in south dakota conditions change 
So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, but as it's, soon as you got confidence in something, put it away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and usually mother nature will change it for you. I mean, it's not, I, I, I keep three, four rods set up that I, that are the only rods I'll throw all spring. So they're there, but yeah, as soon as you get it right, it just, my wife, I take her out. It's her favorite thing in the world is to throw plastics in the spring and we'll get out there cause we'll rush out cause conditions have to be right for her to, to for it to work real good. And uh, she'll catch a couple of that wind will come up. And she's like, I'm done. Let's go in. She don't want to fight that wind pitching a jig. And that's something where that's time. That's the only way you get to get real good at that is you have to put in time. I mean, pitching a jig and playing the bow in the line and changing your jig out and stuff like that, that takes plenty of experience. But at that same situation, when that wind comes up and you can't do it, drift over them with your bottom bouncer. I love a split shot and a hook that time. You know, just set up and, and don't fight it. Don't make it impossible. Um, that wind will give you the ability to sneak right over top of them fish more than when it's calm. And I'll just set up and make a nice quiet drift over the top of them, long line and a split shot and a hook. What I do there is a one-two punch too. I'll have the split shot and a hook hanging back, you know, 20, 30 feet behind the boat. And I'll have that bouncer down like you keep it at a 45. So it... Uh, you just got to adjust to the conditions as they are throwing at you. And like you said, in South Dakota, you get good at plenty of them because it never stays the same for an hour. For you at post-spawn, how often on Oahe do you feel like you're trying to find and fish spots or sweet spots versus covering ground, covering areas? Because you know, when we talk about trolling out on the reservoirs, there's a lot of area fishing, right? Like where you're just covering water. But also, you know, when you're pinpointing sweet spots you know you know guys talk about winning tournaments on really specific patterns and and they got in one little area one small little rubble field and they caught all these big fish like for you you know for everything that you do whether it's guiding fishing on your own like on Oahe post spawn you know spring still like early summer like how often is it a spot deal versus an area deal for you so I love this conversation because this is this is the one thing that frustrated me about when I was on the road all the time, you know, with the tournaments, people would have this one rock they would cast at and beat you every year when you went there, you know, and, and that's their sweet spot. It's been the same and it's a boat race. That's one of the beauties of Oahe. They're never the same year to year. So where I say, you know, turn on your side scan and drive like what we were talking about, do that. But then at the same time, after that works for a day, you will get a pattern to it where that area, that area wasn't good the last three years. All of a sudden this year, water levels, currents have cut a couple of rocks out, you know, so don't come to Oahe thinking these guys got all the secret spots. They do because they've been out there fishing that year, but it ain't something that they've known for 20 years. And that's the only reason they're catching fish right now. Um, even going to Bismarck, them spots are close to the same area you know, when we go up there, but it's why he changes. It's, it's constantly changing. It's never year to year. It's, it's so rare to do the same thing two years in a row that it's unbelievable. But when you are fishing here and say one day, your first day of your trip, you go out and you find one of them cool little spots where you've seen stuff on your side scan, you cast at it. And one cast will catch you five fish that day. Pretty good chance the next day there's, they're going to reload. I mean, that's the cool thing about Oahe. It, uh, especially this time of year where them fish are putting on the feed bag anyway, where they're going to do it, you get 
those little spots and that's where you know your gps will because a lot of times there's nothing on the shoreline i feel like the obvious stuff gets beat up you know what i mean there's <laughs> there's points on oahe every you go in any bait shop they all got their little local name and they got a map drawn out for you and <laughs> 90% of the boats are going to go park on that point and they're going to drag their bottom bouncers across it. Very few of them are going to jig it. Then they're going to go to the next one. They're going to do the same thing. Well, I drive in between those points and guess what? There's structure there that until side scan or forward facing sonar, we didn't know existed. And obviously when I'm driving a lake like Hawaii, where I live every day, I'm paying a little closer attention when I go by them old waypoints, but you cannot believe how I have shorelines that are just, over five years are just loaded with waypoints and I switch my waypoint every year because they're different every year. The spots are, it's never the same. So that's something cool that gives somebody who's coming to Oahe to fish against guys like us. Guess what? We're learning every day too. I mean, it's, it's new constantly, but when you do find, I mean, you will have, I will find a new one this spring. I promise you. Um, I've found a few already and I will find another one where I will live on it all summer and next spring I can't wait to get out there and there won't be no fish there. So it's kind of uh, most recent information. When you find a spot like that, mark it down and don't be afraid to check it. But at the same thing, like we've been saying, don't die there because Hawaii's so vast and there's so much structure and a little water, um, the wind can blow and wreck that spot for a day or two. The currents can change a little bit. This, you know, we're having a crazy year for a lot of flow. It's going to change things. The mud's going to move in. Um, but when you find a spot like that, <laughs> enjoy it and enjoy it with a short memory because it's probably going to change. Yeah, because it's like and, and, and like with those reservoirs, it's, you know, finding the area where the fish are, but then, you know, finding those sweet spots, right? Because it's not like the fish have a GPS to that rock pile or you know, to that cut or whatever it is, right? Because that was, you know, like last year that was out of the water or that was only, yeah. you know, three feet deep and now it's, you know, 14 feet deep and it's right in right in the line of fire and they reload so good. I, I mean, I love that because I, I like the idea of going out and finding, you know, finding a spot and, you know, those spots don't show up on a GPS that good. So when you, it's well, not we, like we you fluctuate. Can, yeah, you, you're talking, I mean, you can't compare Hawaii with anything. Guys are like, oh, we're way up this year. We came up a foot and a half this year. That's a day here. <laughs> you know what I mean? For water levels changing. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, we change. <laughs> From morning to we evening this time 20, of year. 20, 30 it's feet like, a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, but, you know, on so many other places, and I probably say this sometimes, uh, you know, or all the time when we when I talk about reservoirs, but I think it's a big point is like, you know, uh, like other places in the world or, you know, where there's really good mapping or, you know, a lot of lakes, say, in, in Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, just an example, you know, a lot of those lakes where when you do get on a pattern or you catch a few fish and you kind of think you got something going on, maybe a depth range or a contour or whatever, you can go on your, on your uh, you know, on your electronics and you can highlight that depth zone on the map and you can almost see or call your shots around the rest of the lake, you know, like yep. where that pattern is probably happening. But you're talking about finding spots that most definitely won't show up on a map. So when you find them, you just kind of got to remember how much time and gas you burned looking for it <laughs> and then just do yeah. that again. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's uh, – and, the, and the, I mean, even in our times where we're whining, it's still 
got a huge population of fish. You know, you're not going out there to target the 10 fish in a 10 mile area. You know, you do have, there's a, in the hunting world, it's a target rich environment. It's not quite as rich as it used to be, but it's still a target rich environment. So, um, you're going to find several spots like that, you know, during the day and they're going to probably hold multiples of fish. So have confidence. I mean, when you're looking, you, and, and the beauty, even this time of year, I, you know, I, I love the, the pre-spawn when you really got to work at it this time of year, when it's switching into the warm water and the bites getting a little, I mean, it's getting easier just simple um i always look for that tougher bite i like that tougher bite this time of year everyone can catch them which is it's glorious to go because everybody's got their secrets all of a sudden you know they went out everybody's catching them um you can catch them the way you want obviously guys do better with the techniques we've told you but it's such a great time of year to get out there and do what you want to do and um and you find a lot of guys find them secret spots they just don't want to hear that everybody else is kind of doing it 10 miles from them or five miles from them. And I mean, that's the, that's why I think that's a big reason and tourism is another why they don't have a lot of tournaments in the beginning of June because everyone's catching them and we don't need the, the tourism money from the tournaments that time of year because the boat ramps are all full and you got a lot of people coming. So, um, so I mean, this time of year, be confident, you know, go out there knowing you're going to catch some fish. And we've talked about that on a couple of podcasts I've done with you. When you're, when you're confident and you believe in it, that helps. That's almost better than knowing the secret lure. You know, one sort of like closing argument is, um, you know, even if you are, if you are getting out to Oahe and you're on a DIY trip and you're kind of figuring out what to do, what, where to start day one or day two or whatever it is, or you're kind of, you're kind of struggling. Like when you are kind of reduced you know, your confidence is reduced to fishing those community spots or fishing where the other boats are. Cause you do see some nets going out. Like what would be some wrinkles or some good advice for somebody that does feel themselves sort of always getting in line with all the other boats and kind of doing the, the same thing. Like, is, is it something where a guy should try a little shallower, try a little deeper, try a little different technique? What would be some good advice along those lines when you are kind of, you feel like you're kind of, you know, reduced to those community spots to catch fish. Okay, so this is a great, I mean, and it's something I try to tell all my, we have, we have way more, you know, do-it-yourself fishermen than we do uh, uh, guided, obviously, just for availability, but um, what I tell people is I do this. I'm driving out, I'm headed up the river, I go across a big, long, say it's just a break, say it ain't a point, everybody uses a point, but I fish so many different structures. You're driving up and you watch three boats on there, two of them are netting fish. Well, just stop just relax just if i don't have to because i'm i know where i'm going then immediately but stop look at your maps the maps are amazing you look at what they're doing and all of a sudden you zoom out and there's four of them spots within a half mile you know it's oh good point and there's super good and there's three of them that don't i mean people panic they see oh they're catching them i gotta get in there you probably already late to the party you know what I mean? It's uh, eight guys and they brought us, there's eight guys and they brought a six pack of beer. You're too late. Go to the, look at your map, go to the next area that looks as similar as you can and, but stop the boat. Guys get so worked up and they panic. Just stop out in the middle, look at your map and say, oh, there's one of them right there. Drive over there and fish that area. If it has one boat, you just, 
people do that all day long here. And that this time of year, there's so many active fish. And I'm not saying if you sit there for two hours and don't catch one, that some won't move back in, but you're just, you're, you know, you're, you're handicapping yourself so bad by following boats, net and fish because they're taking the active ones. And then guess what? They aren't going to catch them. Most people are going to sit there for another two hours without catching them because they're fishing what they just caught. I've got like a 15, I got like a 10, 15 minute rule. I mean, it's been 10, 15 minutes. I haven't caught them. I'm moving on. And here's another trick. And I think we're, we're targeting way bigger demographic when we say, so maybe start at one end of them, of them boats, put your bottom bouncers down. And there's a, a short window that we we talked about a little bit before we started today that where them bottom bouncers, you got to go slow. And I tell everybody 0.8 mile an hour. Well, right now is when this is transition is going to happen. And it's a, you know, upper fifth, mid fifties to upper 50 water temperature. I don't go by that. I go by the way the fish are biting. When them fish start getting active, start speeding up. Um, you and I did a bottom bouncer show where we said, you know, you increase the weight of your bottom bouncer and you start speeding up, keep it so you're at a 45 and start and just every day check to see how fast you can catch them because it, this is a harvest time of year where you go and you expect to catch a bunch of fish. Well, I can tell you what, when you can start pulling them bottom bouncers fast and I'm pulling them fast for three weeks before anyone else, everybody's still in the creep mode and crawling and they see me flying around out there going, you know, one, five pulling bottom bouncers and it doesn't go from 0.8 to 0.9 to one, to one, one. It goes from 0.8 or slower to fast. There's no, there's no like big window in that period when they fire and it can be one warm night. Um, one good rain, something will make them fire and it's never the same every year. But when that happens, start on the end of that group of boats, it's catching them and go away from them and you won't go far and you're going to find a pot of fish to yourself. When that switch happens and, and you know, I just love the way you talk about it because you're a guy that goes by feel and instinct so much where, you know, you're just testing those fish every day to see, you know, at that time of year, this time of year where you're, you're testing them to just see how fast you can catch them. Do you feel like it's the speed that's triggering them? Or do you feel like you're just seeing so many more fish uh, by I going 100% that fast? I 100% believe I'm seeing more fish. I feel like they're eating. <laughs> they're eating any way you put it to them. So why don't you put it to twice as many fish? It's when bass fishermen talk about it. I put my trolling motor on high speed and I covered the water. And that's how, well, they just casted it twice as many fish as anyone else. And fish are coming from 30 feet to get the bait. Why don't you cover 500 feet instead of 100 feet? You know, it's in that same amount of time. It, I feel like in that time of year when that bite turns on, like when that switch flips, that's the time of year where guys are coming, what'd you get them all on? I have seven rods out of that boat. There ain't one of them with the same lure on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We are it is the golden time to catch fish, take advantage of it and see as many as you can. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. don't sit there and grind with eight guys. Cause you've seen two nets. I mean, it's uh first of all, it's frustrating. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, you don't make a lot of friends doing it, which I will talk your ear off. Cause I don't care. I, but a lot of guys get all butthurt when somebody comes in. Well, people move in on me. I just feel like they're late to the party. I mean, that time of year, especially you, uh, great to have somebody to talk to because that's all you're getting out of it 90 percent of the time if you see uh, if you see a point or you see a, a little spot going or a couple of boats that are going you see a couple of nets some high fiving going on like like you said if you just zoom out a little bit 
almost indefinitely that area has more to offer. And man, yeah, that is such a good point. And you know what? Like, you know, instead of frustrating somebody or frustrating yourself by chasing nets and getting in on that spot, you know, you'll probably get a little bit of a wave or a head nod when you go up to the next point up that's 100 yards and, you, you know, they see your net come out like, you know, that that's, you know, there's almost like some respect going there. You know, I mean, that's good there's ethics. nothing. I would, that's the exact word I was going to go with. There's no more respect than when a boat will go by and I'm netting three or four fish, you know, with customers and I'll see them slow down. And though I just whatever, I don't care. I, I like that people are paying attention, you know, and they're watching the 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 plate that's laid in front of them and they'll drive down and they'll set up on the exact spot. I was headed next. Once I knew this bite went and I'm like, who that guy knows what he's doing. I'll point it out to my customers right away. That guy's smart enough to know, don't follow me and go to what looks like this, you know, yep. and that's immediate respect. And then you always have that guy that pulls in and uh, he'll set up right beside you and he won't look up from his electronics and he won't look away from his trolling motor and he stares straight down that can't be fun <laughs> you know what i mean right why, i mean why would you and and you don't fish well when you're doing that you pull up and you're looking around and you're happy about where you're at you're gonna fish better i mean there's no reason to make enemies because it's fishing but why would you be if you're uncomfortable you probably shouldn't have pulled in that spot anyway so yeah go find somewhere where you're having fun you know, seeing another, seeing somebody wheel a net and catch a fish is, isn't any different than seeing a couple of pelicans diving, you know, or whatever it yep. is, right? You're yep. just being aware of what's going on. But how do you, yep. you know, it's like, what do you do with that information? So much better to at least explore what might be going on, you know, in that area, but just like another spot in that area. And it's, it's, it's worth a check, but yeah, that you know, the, the, the respect and back at the boat landing is it's a totally different conversation had between anglers and it's uh it's more of a handshake than, a, uh, yeah. you know, than, than some of these, some of the bickering that can happen. And, and, uh, you know, in this day and age, there's no secrets. We've all got electronics that can see out hundred feet or whatever. And, you know, guys can, you know, move in and do this and do that. And kind of, you know, I mean, you just got to get out there and fish your fish and, but yeah, that's a, a phenomenal point that'll probably, if you can adopt that into your strategy of like, don't follow boats, don't follow nets, um, f- you know, use watch them. Yeah, You're just right. watch them. Absolutely, watch them and learn. And- I think that's a. I think that's an. That's a monster monster point when it talk when you come to fishing community spots because you know what community spots. Well, I've said it before on this. Had guys talk about it like. There's a reason a community spot's a community spot. It's usually big and it has fish and it's easy to find on a map or it's easy to find for people to find. And there's nothing uh, wrong with those spots. It's not even a knock. It's usually a compliment to the spot itself and the fish that live on it. Because usually, you know, a community spot, if you can be there first, you're going to have good, you know, it typically means it's a decent enough spot. Uh, But man, that being said, if there's, if there's already boats there, you know, that's just a conversation that, you know, it, it shouldn't be an uncomfortable conversation for us to have. We need to be able to have it openly. And I think your advice is phenomenal. So anyways, I, there's no shame in it. If you go in and you're hanging your head, be comfortable and move down the line a little ways and find your own. And you're probably going to, you're going to fish better to begin with. Totally. 
Well, man, we've covered a lot of really great ground. I love, you know, just kind of getting into that post-spawn conversation and and going through, the, you know, feeling that bite as it evolves and goes from kind of that real stingy spawn bite into that post-spawn yep. when, when things pick up and, you you know, you're going through your tactics and, and don't be scared to use, you know, bigger plastics on smaller jig heads that time of year and, and let that sort of you know, kind of help you cover some water and, and trigger some fish into biting and, and realize like that there's still a lot of decisions to be made. If you want to maximize your situation, don't assume that one setup's going to nail it down every single day. If you have a five day trip and what works on day one, uh, don't be surprised if it's not working by the end of that trip and um, be prepared for <laughs> yeah. that. I think that's a great expectation to have. And um, yeah, I love talking about spots versus areas. And I think reservoirs are the conversation. Or that's where you know, that conversation really highlights itself best because, you know, you got to kind of evaluate your own fishing, you know, your own home lake or your own situation that you're in, the scenario that you think you're going to be in kind of for yourself. But you know, because, you know, in some spots it is more of a spot deal and less of an area deal. And in some situations it's entirely, you know, spread out. The fish get really spread out during this transition time. It, it comes down to the daily, you know, conditions. But you got to, you, know, you make that evaluation for yourself. But be ready to capitalize on a spot if you find one. And if not, be prepared to cover some water. I just, I don't know. I took a, I take a lot away from this stuff, you know, every year that we have these conversations. So I appreciate it's it, man. It's fun. I, I love talking to you, buddy. It's, uh, I, I'm a little embarrassed how many people listen and hear my redneck talk about it. But at the same time, I can't tell you how many people call and say they listen to this and, uh, and how much they learn from it. And that's all we can hope for is to teach and help people enjoy their time. So, yeah, I, I'm sure we're going to get a ton of great feedback from this. I'm really excited about all of that. And, um, but yeah, well, to close this out, anything that you want to promote, um, you know, where, if anybody ever has any questions, uh, about what you offer or whatever, um, you know, yeah. throw that stuff out there real quick. Well, look us up guys. It's, uh, Oahe Wings and Walleyes, um, family-run business. I mean, from my kids to my dad, we're all we're all involved every day in uh, in the business we love. Um, we do open water fishing. Um, we kind of took a step back from the ice fishing the last couple of years, but looking to hit that strong again next year. So we offer some uh, hard hard water fishing, and then the pheasant hunting is uh, is amazing. It 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 is back as good as I've seen it in thirty years. So. Um, anybody looking for an opportunity to come out and shoot some wild South Dakota birds, we're the place to be, I promise. we. Uh, my biggest line for all everything we do is you come try to have as much fun as we do, and you'll have a good trip. Right on, brother. We'll do. All right, we'll talk to you. Thanks. Thanks.